Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. I think there's something really important that, you know, I'm quite attracted about, uh, which is a sense of responsibility in terms of design. I must say that even though I'm passionate of the classical idea of a fashion show, but the idea of like sitting at a, at a show 
And in those terms, it, I find it very redundant. I find fashion sometimes very divided. I really hope that we can be more united, actually. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. This week, our editor-at-large, Tim Blank, speaks to the creative director of Marnie, Francesco Riso. Looking back, Francesco's January 2020 menswear show might seem prophetic. The collection took inspiration from Edgar Allan Poe's The Mask of the Red Death, which tells the story of a plague and societal excess. These themes continue to resonate with Francesco 15 months after living with the pandemic. And today he talks to Tim about the changes that must endure and the importance of emotion. Here's Francesco Riso, Inside Fashion. I am talking to Francesco Riso, who I haven't seen since last February, February 2020. What has stayed with me he was inspired by the story of Prince Prospero and the Mask of the Red Death. I never really got a chance to say to Francesco how amazing it was that we watched that performance, that ritual that he staged, in which um, a plague was driven from the doors of the citadel, the Mani Citadel, by love. I, do, I wonder if you ever think about that show and what the message of that show was and how it just anticipated so much that came afterwards. Weirdly, I haven't thought about that for at least two months <laughs> after, <laughs> after the pandemic. And then one day I was like, oh shit, actually we, we were talking about it before we knew anything, before we knew this was gonna happen. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was like a fascination of the moment, we just, we just loved how, you know, that danger and, you know, that, that idea of the dance that lasts until the end of love. And then this happens and it was quite, uh, quite striking. And yes, after a couple of months when I realized that we had talked about it, yeah, I thought about it a lot uh, and a lot. It was, uh, it was, at the beginning, quite uh, quite striking, not because of the not because of the theme of that show, but because of all we have been living together in that moment. Obviously, uh, that was a beautiful dance, and then we found each other <laughs> in a beautiful dance of that of death, which was not as beautiful. Another thing that was extraordinary about that show was that you worked with a choreographer, um, Michele Rizzo. Yes, Michele. and. Around that time, fashion was looking for another way to, it felt to me that fashion was looking for another way to place itself in the world. You know, it was looking for a new kind of relevance maybe. And so there were a few designers, you, you Mark Jacobs, uh, Jun Takahashi, Erdem in London, who used choreography to tell the story of the collection. Yeah. And I thought that's another funny coincidence because Mm. All of this last year, the physicality of dance mm. has been on people's minds. I think because it was something that we were Absolutely. deprived of. Of course. But fashion was, I, I wondered if you thought about that at all, if you looked around you and thought, oh I my mean, God, I'm- I mean, I, I didn't have in mind the idea of placing a choreography in itself. I mean, Michele, He's incredible. We're still working together. He's more of an artist rather than just a choreographer. I was really attracted by the idea that 
we could find a way to really connect with each other through some kind of medium. And that was the medium. I was also one of the, one of the people watching. I have lived one of the most weird experiences backstage ever in my life, <laughs> where basically at a certain point I turn and I'm actually literally like alone because everybody was outside. All the models were outside, the makeup was outside looking at the show. And I was like alone in the, in the backstage. I'm like, what, what is happening? But actually I, I, that in that moment, I understood that I, I really wanted to put people together. That was the aim of it, was the aim of connecting and really feeling it through the body, through the movement. And that was actually a mere exercise that I think we have been doing it, we have been doing through also the lockdown. So obviously it came out a beautiful dance and a beautiful, psychedelic movement that really drove us into another place i was i was moved you know and sometimes it's hard when you're on in on the other side uh making things to not you know to be so you know moved by things in that in that kind of way that was thanks to michele obviously but it was the beginning of of something that we continued to process and process and process and process so what i found so impressive in that and then in the 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 women's show that you showed a month later i'm really going back to the very beginning of this mm -hmm. pandemic year because in february you showed a women's show which yeah. was these gilded the girls who fell to earth like i i called it you know the silver spaceship on the catwalk yeah. and the girls emerging like extraterrestrials yeah. Yeah. And the sense of the alien, mm. it, it, it was so, again, so, so prophetic. It mm. was looking forward to something that was about to happen. And those two shows together will stay with me as being one of the most memorable joint efforts. Thank you. They do stay with me as well. It's hard as a creative really have things that can sit with you for a long time you know uh, those were incredible moments not not because you know not because just of the show but because of the way you know we made it, which is for me it's the most uh, emotional moment it's the process it's not about the end you know and where you know where in the in the men's where it was about this this strong interactions with the bodies and this language that goes beyond words in the in the women was about making things with our hands and we literally like spent time building up these patchworks that were kind of otherworldly the company here that probably wanted to shoot me at that time because it was really a challenging collection but uh, but it really enacted something that we are again uh, and every day here we are really promoting as you know in with my team we are every time we're trying to sustain this this you know this power of the hand and the strength of the the things that we can make in the atelier this is becoming for us a uh, a specialty and a novelty and also it's becoming it's become it's becoming you know uh, about making a treasure making treasures they they, they they can last for time 
and it's not just about making and making and making. So it's uh, it's part of a of a program that we have uh, set in the mining politics. Let's say. <laughs> I think that the the theme of time mm. seems to have become a very dominant one mm. in your work because especially over the last year where time stood still. And yeah. it was interesting to, interesting to look at the collections, your collections where you were collaging past yeah. money collections to yeah. make future money collections. Yeah. And this, this notion of time becoming this very fluid and kind of very indefinable. Uh, you, there's something about your work when you look at it, you can't say where it's from, you can't place it in time. You can't place it in place even. And the, the, the notion of heirlooms, that which you seem very, very attached to. Remember we did that thing together where you chose those objects that were important yes. to you. And you chose such arcane things that, that, that were eerie, like they were from the past, but they also said something about the future. I love the notion of you as an empath you know, that you feel people, but you feel the life of objects as well. I, I think that that's really... You have picked definitely something that it's, uh, that it's part of the process that we do uh, apply here at Marnie, but, um, and that I've always been attracted by since I was a child. I think there's something really important that, you know, I'm quite attracted about, uh, which is a sense of responsibility in terms of design and the fact that uh, these pieces that can, you know, can be made by the hand and they can be one of a kind, but they can still be enjoyed by people and produced in small portions. They can really last in time, you know, and uh, they can resist and they are resilient because they're painted. People, I had people criticizing me because they were like, oh, are you ever gonna produce this stuff? Uh, but actually it's become little by little a program of a portion of a collection that we make uh, every season. We take stuff from the old archives, we repaint it, we collage it, we put it together and it's become a Marnie prerogative. So every collection we have those heirlooms that are treated in some sort of way. And so it actually is something that we sell and persist with time. I'm very, very a big fan of this, uh, of this trying to be responsible with design in that sense. Do you think in a way that that kind of goes against the grain of fashion? Definitely, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But in a way it also preserves it. And it preserves the idea of craft, the idea of the hand, the idea of making things in a beautiful way. We work in systems that, uh, that tells us that we have to grow sporadically, but we can also rebalance it with such, such projects or such intentions, let's say. So that's, my, that's my mission. <laughs> do, you, do you think there's a defiance in that? Do you think there's something over the course of the year, you have been very definite about the fact that you, you don't naturally, you don't feel a natural kinship with the digital process of fashion that you having to do everything so it looks good on a screen you've you've found you've found very very irritating um so it, it, the notion of of making these clothes 
especially the black clothes where you laid the cloth in the garden and put in the courtyard and put flowers mm -hmm. on the cloth so the flowers would decay into the cloth and make a pattern i mean that's that's incredible i was playing a bit controversial let's say i think the point is i am a child of technology as well even though i'm kind of in the bridge but still i live on my iphone i live with computers i live off of technology and i can't deny the the modernism that comes through that but i actually want to demonstrate that it's not just flatness that can go through the screen so that was my idea the fact that uh craft can still be a beautiful thing that you can look and enjoy through the screen and then you're gonna buy it and you're gonna wear it and you're gonna touch it and you're gonna perceive that process so i was being a bit of a you know <laughs> a bit of a protester let's say <laughs> of the digital era but actually i live in the digital era and i and i fulfill it completely but I cannot deny myself the curiosity to try in a different way. Because at the end of the day, uh, literally like what we do here, it's very sensorial. It's very much about the hand. Everything starts from a dialogue, from talking between each other, talking about emotions, about feelings. And bringing out that color from the black, it's been a process that came from dyeing things from the sun. And so, uh, you know, I was, I was curious about how, okay, it's not just like, let's not just make it red for the sake of, you know, the, 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 the digital screen, because we know that it looks good if you put a white back, backdrop, <laughs> you know, maybe there's something more about it. So that was my challenge, of course. But I, 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 one, something we talked about a long time ago, which also stays with me is, is, um, the, the idea of challenge is, is quite intrinsic and genetic with you, but also the notion that beauty is processed and that you find new forms of beauty to challenge and provoke the orthodox. And so there's always rebellion in your work. There's always this notion of provoking and challenging and turning upside down. I guess, I guess it really, again, it's connected with the dialogues, <laughs> with the people that I work with, with the people that, you know, I'm building up the, uh, all the dreams and the realities. I'm very fascinated by reality in general. And somehow reality, it's very upside down in this particular moment. You know, we live in a moment where everything seem po seems possible, but equally seems extremely conservative. People, it seems like people can do all sorts of things, but then you have to be careful to not offend anybody. Beauty is one thing for one person, but it's the completely opposite for another. So it's almost natural for me to imply in those dialogues with the people that I work with and then commit to that subversion i don't know are you all on the same wavelength or are they do they kind of they counteract you and so you have absolutely to kind of... not and i'm not talking just about the, the people here at marnie i'm talking about the people that 
you know, for instance, with, with spring summer, with the last spring summer, exactly after the lockdown, uh, or actually during the lockdown, we did this, we started the collection um, with letters. I sent a letter to all the people that worked here or artists, musicians. We created a sort of like epistolary work and that dialogue be became the collection itself. And so beauty comes for me in those terms, in those dialogues, in those exchange. And I'm, and I'm more and more into that. I find extremely exciting that this work is becoming more of a circular process rather than just like, okay, we have to make a collection, just uh, let's just give the parameters and that's it. It's actually the, the feeling of the person who's wearing it and bouncing back to me and saying me, you know, some kind of thing that makes the collection itself. Do you think the lockdown has kind of heightened that process? Definitely, definitely. Um, that, that was actually an interesting comparison between the two work that we did, for instance, with the, with the first show during the COVID and the second one, where, you know, in the first one, we were, you know, uh, we were all locked and there was this imaginary of people, um, people were literally filming themselves and then in September, it was about these photos of people in these austere, <laughs> empty cities. So there's a beautiful imaginary of people in this vastness, but also in this kind of isolation on the, in the outside. And then in the Marnie house after a few months. And so again, about the domestic life that we live together. So the lockdown the lockdown had, had allowed to talk more with people to understand more what their their needs and their lies and even now i'm looking at you and i finally see all your books and your pictures and you know and this has been my work for manifesto which was the, the september collection where we literally spend spent hours talking with every member of the cast and really having them engage in whatever they wanted to do, you know? So that was beautiful. It was for me the first time that I was like, okay, this is not gonna end up in like 10 minutes backstage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're like, okay, the show is gone, go home and just like get a drink and have a holiday, punto. Actually, we had like a beautiful process that lasts for months where we got to talk to people, we got to write to people, we got to send the clothes to people, and everyone bounced back with their feelings, with their understanding of it, with their putting in their own way or wanting to do something in their house, maybe with a snake or with a dog or with their kids. Or, and this was for me, one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever lived. Despite the tragedy uh, of COVID, we have discovered incredible things. Actually created a, created a new community in a way. Yes, or I don't know, we, just, we were just hands in hands for the first time together. Where before 
people would come to the show. They would be in the backstage and then they would come out to be seen. Now we were hand in hand doing this job together, which was beautiful. The community was there already, you know. Mm. It was years of, of, you know, being together in some different ways. And now we were like, okay, let's write letters between each other and then let's just wear it and let's just film each other and let's just do it. There was real purpose in the, in the action, which obviously uh, unveiled little by little. But uh, for what I can say in terms of our uh, work, uh, what we do at Marnie, I think it really forced us to, to focus on the authenticity of our ideas and also to celebrate them. At a certain point, I was here at the design studio and I stopped and I said, you know what? I think we have to celebrate our best uh, coat that has been made by that pattern maker. We have to celebrate this. We have to celebrate that skirt. And then we just made it in a very light and primitive kind of way because there was no need for structure somehow. It had to feel liberated somehow. So it definitely allowed more focus to be, to be there, to be alive and through everyone, from us in the creative process, from you know, the commercial team, the shops, everyone is, is really uh, you know, onto this uh, focus mindset more than before. So did, did you feel more emotionally engaged by your work then during this whole, yes. this whole time? For sure. I don't know if I should say this, but I've actually, I've been crying a lot before the, <laughs> before the show, which I probably have done when I was like 16 at a fashion show, like, and then I was crying again. Like I was, I was very moved by the interaction of people, like how suddenly somebody was like, wearing something and started like singing in front of the mirror of the bathroom and that like just made me cry because of this beautiful uh, symphonic uh, interaction that we had you know so i was more you know <laughs> i did i did read that you were very keen to go back to the actual our uh, contato our contact that you're very keen to go to have physical you know events, not living, not doing it like this, not doing it digitally. I'm really looking forward to that. I think we all need it. I think that's the cure. I'm truly convinced that uh, each, each one of us have, have, have lived this in different kind of ways, different type of isolation, different type of connection. And um, the thing that I'm, that I, that I see uh, is this, uh, need to be together, but also this reluctance to be attached. Uh, and I feel that we have to break the ice, you know, and, uh, and probably that's going to be the cure. I don't know. I, I, I would love that to be the cure. Sweating all together. <laughs> At the same time, there'll be that nervousness, you know, there'll be that nervousness about being in a big... Yeah, but, uh, you know, we can be nervous for the rest of our life or what sorts mm -hmm. of, what any sorts of deaths. Uh, you know, after that show, after the Prospero show, <laughs> I was very skeptical about the old, this whole thing. I was, 
I was really like, oh, I, I didn't really believe about what was happening. I was very stupid. And then little by little, actually very close people of mine uh, had major tragedies and, uh, and I woke up and it's undeniable the brutality of this thing that we have been living, but we have to live. And I think now it's very important that whatever we have learned in this year, we really apply it. Because, uh, because it would be stupid if we don't apply whatever we have learned. And, you know, I have seen, even in fashion, I've seen incredible things happening, no? Like, mm. I have never seen fashion being filmed in the way it's been filmed in these two years, to be honest. Yes, um, yeah. So, I mean, everyone has challenged creativity in different ways. And we tend to criticize and criticize and criticize, but actually there's been serious change. It's important that probably we try little by little to engage with that human touch. How can we live without that? We a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, Swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. 
I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Getting back over everything we've ever talked about in the light of the last year and um, the incredibly interesting and abstract conversations that, that you and I have had over, over time. But um, <laughs> once upon a time, we were talking about the power of youth mm. and how the power of youth was confronted by what you call them the puppet masters, mm. the people with power. True. I remember that. I remember that moment perfectly. Yeah. You actually said the undefinable aliens mingle with the indefensible weirdos. Oh, wow. Yeah. How many years have passed in between? Yeah, but <laughs> no, it's still. <laughs> do those words have a new kind of meaning now, do you think? I mean, I, I guess so. I guess so. I, what I, it's very interesting what you're saying because, uh, because I've, I've, Yesterday, just yesterday, I was talking with a really dear friend of mine. We were walking in the park and we were talking about, uh, you know, young kids parties and, uh, and, how, and how the new generations feels about the world. And I had just been to the Venice Biennale. And I must say that, uh, I mean, I don't want to say bad things about anybody, but I must say that the architectural vision is quite doomsday and quite <laughs> depressing. And I was like, oh my God, I need some art immediately. <laughs> you know, I need some emotions because it was beautiful, but very, very dry and very, very uh, apocalyptic. And yet I was talking to this friend of mine and it's incredible how actually new generations have this, this is embedded in them. It's not about, yes, it's a worry, but it's not a worry where like, you know, the, the difference is where I think my generation and the generations before mine have been very much egocentric and quite, uh, quite about, you know, always about thinking about the future and the future and overlapping, projecting the future. I see in the kids, I see this sort of living the moment, which is incredible. It's so beautiful. It's, and it's much more conscious and much more aligned with, uh, you know, with nature and, uh, and everything. And it's not something that, uh, that, is for them like a corporate discussion of sustainability. You know, it's a completely different game. And I find that very attractive, very inspiring. You know, the, the Guardian newspaper this morning has a, a sort of a pan-European survey of Generation Z, kids between, I think, 16 and 24. And it's very striking how pessimistic most of them are. Uh, it, it, and actually, it's quite... It's quite... True, because, because they, they feel small in this planet. They don't feel as big as we used to think years ago, like, oh, we're bigger than anything. They feel small. They don't feel, they don't feel big, and it's a shame. But you, you see also that an incredible energy, and you see an incredible consciousness, which maybe is the thing that it's really going to change our planet for good. You know, that's what I see. I see something that it's embedded in them, and it's not... Uh, 
you know, let's be sustainable. It's not about that. It's much more. It, it seems to me that you have thought about changing states of mind, changing minds. Um, it's been a theme, like the, the Rainforest Collection, where you talked about psychedelicima and, yeah. and the notion of the psychedelic. Um, you know, you, did, you had an invitation that looked like little acid blotters. Just that idea, I know I suggested it once that it's not a. It's not so much about um, you know when you when you used all that stuff from an old house and and made a collection like a you you recreated clothing um, again the fusion of the past the present and the future using all those elements of an old building to make a collection yeah and it said to me at that time that that, that it occurred to me at that time that the, the the notion of interior design but what the interior that you were trying to design was the psyche you know, the human psyche, that you were interested yeah. in working what was inside the body as yeah. much as you were interested in dressing what's on the outside. And I thought, I thought this is an incredible moment for somebody like you who, who thinks in those quite abstract but, but quite, well, psychedelic terms. I think it goes back to the idea of, of design in a kind of responsible way, but also through learning. I mean, that for me is incre incredibly fascinating. And so, yes, it was psychedelissima because at the time, the idea that nature could give you this warmth and this vibration and this like need to be attached to nature, to nature without ruining it, but with, with, you know, work to protect it. And it's a very hard game, you know. I think it's it goes back to that. It transcends the object. It's 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 more about the way we make it. It's about how we make it together. And again, that collection had the aim to start a cycle at Marnie of really changing the the wheel of how we make things, divert the process in a way where everything could be more responsible, conscious, and it's not easy at all. It's not easy at all when you want to sustain the business and grow, uh, you know, the full cycle has to, has to be, you know, controlled. So it's a very difficult game for companies. And, it, and, I, and I believe that it cannot be separated by responsible designing. <laughs> When I say responsible designing is 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 about things that can be treasured, that can last in time, that can, you know, that we can reevaluate in a different in a different way, and not just throwing it off. So I think I think that's that's what I stand for, and um, and definitely learning. But that I get what where I was going with that other train of thought it got a little bit derailed was that when we're talking about, um, you're talking about what you saw at the Biennale and I'm talking about what I read in the newspaper and how it struck me that these kids are quite pessimistic. Mm. I wonder if you feel that the way you approach what you do actually speaks to them in a more meaningful way. Well, that's what I hope for. <laughs> yeah, but, but actually they can look at what you do and you're speaking to them in a more meaningful way and a more kind of authentic. Mm. But actually, I'm more interested about them talking to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's my, that's my. Bottom. Okay, well, that's good, too. And what do they tell, what do they tell you when they talk to you? 
Uh, well, that's that's what I said to you before. Uh, I see people that it's uh, that it that, that is really on for living the moment, and it's a different. It's a completely different vibe where actually our egocentrical way of living it it's just like it has no value whatsoever. Our way of buying clothes has no value whatsoever. Our way of thinking about things has no value whatsoever because yes, new generations, I feel my friends, they love fashion, they love clothes, but they buy it in a completely different way. They enjoy things in a different way. So it's, they, I don't think that they, every day they think, oh, we're gonna be extinct. That's not the vibe. It's still people with incredible skills, like incredible, like they know way more than we know <laughs> so much. And so I like to learn from it. I do think that there's various kinds of intuition and I'm, I'm not sure that it's a question of knowing more or knowing less. I think it's just people's intuitions are very, very different. And, and I think if, if, I look at, if I look at kids now, they're intuitive about things that I'm, I'm I guess, not intuitive about. Yeah, I think what I'm trying to achieve personally, and also as a dream, when I think about also like a Marnie store, <laughs> I think every time somebody asks me, oh, what is, uh, what is the people who do you like uh, in the Marnie store? I'm like, actually, I would love like a family of different type of people, different ages. But because I think we actually learn from each other, from people of different ages can bloom from youth and youth can bloom from, from wisdom. So, I mean, this is very banal, but it's actually very powerful. Mm. Yeah. So maybe now it's really the time to really connect and, and you know, and, and make that as a strength rather than, you know, a big division where sometimes, yes, maybe that show you were talking about before was pretty much about that kind of division where there's kind of like a power that happens in a certain train of age and a movement that happens on another train of age. Now I see in, the, in these latest years that things are moving differently. Mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't promote that anymore. <laughs> so, the notion of division. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think, I remember that show, the space of the show was called The Elephant in the Room. Yes. But in my right. head was about this thing that people don't talk about, but actually it's there, you know. Yeah. Politics is one thing and young movements is like this big wave of change. And I think that actually the big wave of change is already happening and is happening through young, and old, uh, middle age, all sorts of age, either you go with it or you're out. I, I mean, it, it seems to me that the, that the curse of the age of information, because we live in the age of information, the curse of the age of information is that we can't turn information into wisdom. Mm. And, and that seems to be, uh, I, it, it's, and I look at what you do and I think there's something about the, the process, the creative process with you, this sort of alchemy Mm. We take all these things and the hand, the hands mold them and work them and smear them and and cast these clothes like a sculptor casts a, a sculpture in a way. But that alchemy, you find the truth 
in the, all these components, all these things you're working with. You're, or you find a truth, not the truth. You find a truth. And I'm always wondering about... You know, I, must, I, I, I will confess again that truth is actually... I don't know if it's the truth or whoever's truth or my truth. It's, it's my learning process. And I truly go through a lot of pain, <laughs> trying to learn as much as possible. I love that. It's almost like being at a university, like a forever university, <laughs> you know, and um, molding it through dialogues and that idea and that thing that we see in the future because it's it's just a hint of something a feeling and then we we run for it i was obsessed about romanticism this this latest collection i've always been afraid of romanticism just a raffle would give me like pain and i was like let's just like let's uh, let's try to understand the raffles <laughs> but Actually, I've been studying for months about uh, all about romanticisms when it born, how it developed, what it means romanticism nowadays, what it means romanticism for the people who I work with, for my boyfriend, for everyone. It was like a continuous like data and data, you know. So, so the, the the last show was about that. At the end, it was a parody of a couture show <laughs> in a maison, but that I found extremely romantic, you know? So it's about learning. But you've, I, I thought romanticism has been in your work before. You've Nosferatu. Yeah, and, maybe, and... maybe I don't, uh, you know, maybe I, I, have, I have a hard time recognizing it myself and it's more romantic than it actually is. Or maybe because, you know, romanticism in the, in the minds of, you know, of everyone is darkness and romantic and, uh, and the ruffles and the perfume. You know, it's quite, uh, it's quite about, uh, and it's about love. Uh, maybe for us, romanticism has always been uh, about the hand, about the past and the present and the future and these stories and all melting together. This time I was really curious about flowers and ruffles, you know? And we laughed so much about it because uh, we were like, oh my God, so many ruffles we can't <laughs> but actually we enjoyed it so much but remember it's that thing that Mutu Prada always said she's drawn to things that she doesn't oh she yeah doesn't like you know she's drawn yeah, yeah, yeah. to suede yeah. Or, she, yeah. she, she does that a lot yeah and I guess I guess sometimes I guess sometimes it's 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 uh it represents a challenge you know to, yeah. to try to dive into something that we don't know or don't like. Or don't like, yes. It's so easy to like, isn't it? Yes. It's much easier to say something. No, actually, it's not easier to say something nice about somebody. It's easier to say something nasty about somebody than to say something nice. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but do you do you think restrictions are quite inspiring in a way then? That if you that if you if you have this notion that you you're not sure of. Okay. There are restrictions and restrictions. <laughs> I would say, I guess, I guess the restrictions that we had this latest almost two years have been weirdly inspiring, weirdly, uh, very challenging. I mean, for what it regards me, 
I didn't need to go to, you know, to another place to do research because I had to do a research uh, in a vintage shop. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I was actually, uh, that was the great challenge of activating creativity in a way that we're, we're not used to. So I was like, uh, you know, painting my curtains, uh, uh, reading books that I hadn't read for a long time. Um, I don't know, dying stuff in the bathtub. <laughs> and that's also my, my team, you know? We really kept, uh, kept alive our motivation that way. Uh, then there's, there's other types of restrictions today. I, I don't know if there are restrictions. I think the world has become very, very united in some sort of way, very much there, I mean, I mean, this is not the right word. I think what we do is, uh, you know, is shown worldwide every minute. Our lives, uh, everything that we do, it, there's an access that it's, uh, that it's, that it's always, uh, you know, very much on stage. And I think that uh, that can represent uh, sometimes some kind of restrictions, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's uh, and, and it's us making those restrictions, <laughs> and it's uh, and sometimes it's a bit of a shame because uh, because I, I find that that uh, that we should set free a little bit more. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying before that the whole world is open to the rest of the world all the time, mm. but it hasn't made it hasn't bred any kind of understanding. No, there's no kind of there's you don't see a huge upsurge of compassion after what's happened over the last year? On the social media, definitely not. Mm. Well, that's unfortunately what, what's opened up the globe to everybody. Yeah, but we just have to get out of it. <laughs> that's, that's uh, you know, we actually choose to be there and to fulfill that place, punto. What would you like fashion's role to be in shaping the world after this? How, how could you see? That's a very, very, very interesting question. <laughs> um, it's actually relevance, you know, it's a question very, of relevance, very much. really what it is. Yeah. I mean, for me, our recent past is set to become our nearest future. So I would love that whatever we have learned right now is not just thrown off. I must say that even though I'm, you know, I'm a passionate of the, the classical idea of a fashion show, but the idea of like sitting at a, at a show and in those terms, it, I find it very redundant. Maybe I'll end up doing that <laughs> and, and you will come and you say, how redundant you were, I don't know. But, uh, but we definitely made a lot of work in these two years, everyone, no one excluded. So this has to be, you know, matured and used. We cannot avoid now to just go back and not, uh, uh, not take that in consideration. So I really hope that we can be more united, actually. I find, I find fashion sometimes very divided. I think, I think we all, before COVID, everyone, everyone wanted to slow down things. Then COVID arrived, things have slowed down. Now we're complaining, things are gonna go back to normal. 
but we have to go back to normal in a conscious way, which doesn't mean just sustainability or that corporate vision of sustainability. It's also about how we decide to show collections, how many times we show collections. Do we need to show collections like six times a year? Maybe not. So I hope, I mean, I don't know what is the recipe. It's not me to, you know, I, I have taken the chance to, to make uh, two shows instead of four. And now finally, we're all for it. We do it. So I hope that fashion can really come together and because so many people is doing it. So can we make, you know, something that it's more convenient for everyone? You know, that's, that would be just like a small gesture. There are way more individual voices and there is- And no so many individual voices and, and you know, and maybe, and, and my dream, and my dream, you know, that goes beyond uh, Marnie and, you know, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying so much any sort of collaboration with people and, you know, that, that hand in hand thing. So that's why maybe I'm talking about fashion being more united. <laughs> But I guess I'm, I'm, I'm very attracted by what's all sorts of like communal processes. And I guess, I guess that's where I would love to go. And, and, and it shows, I think, that I think your work this year has been so community oriented, you know, in creating a, in creating, um, a new community. A man, a mani, the manifesto is community. Yeah. Are you a magical thinker? Like, do I believe in magic? Yeah or magical thinking, yeah. I definitely am a magical thinker and believe in magic, all sorts of shit. <laughs> Sorry for the bad word. <laughs> I love that, uh, I'll never get over the fact that you were born on a boat, born on the deck of a boat during a winter storm at sea. And I, I know you've kind of, you've kind of said that that, um, is, that wasn't your destiny, but- um, Definitely it, not. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a trauma that I'm still like trying to cope with. Why? What are you trying to cope with, do you think? No, of course, of course. Uh, you know what? I wasn't able at such young age to appreciate such, such poetry, such oddity. You know, it was very uncomfortable. It was winter, it was cold. I was a kid. My parents were amazing, but they were very, they were quite hippie-esque. And, um, <laughs> and so it wasn't about cold water, whatever. So I kind of remember those years as I would have, I, like as like a freezing cold situation, like very like dramatic. But of course, now I miss the fact that I could, I could have learned a bit more from those years, you know? I, I, I just want, I wonder if it left you with a sense of the power of the past that you, you, are, you, you seem to be very attached to memories. And, and this is what, when I talk about you um, feeling the life of objects. You know, I've been asking myself that same question and I don't have an answer. Sometimes I think because we have not enough capability right now to see the future. And so it's easier somehow to dig into the past, the brushes feel. It's almost like we're leaving the postmodern, postmodern, post, 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 repost modernism. <laughs> so, um, you know, I watch movies and there's like 
scene of the futures and then in the background you see like a tv with like Hitchcock and stuff it's, it's like it's all about that so sometimes I'm like yeah maybe uh, it's that non-vision of the future that it's actually make us really really enjoying the past I don't have an answer for that so this is not a confirmation you must have been watching The Woman in the Window because it was- a Exactly, bravo. <laughs> yes, amazing. Yes, such a genius. Yes, I was watching that. And I felt, oh my God, this is a domestic situation of today, but come on. It's like a, it's like a relentless postmodernism with, with no, yeah. Wonderful to see you. I don't know when we'll actually see each other. In so, the real world. Well, I hope so. In I the real so. world, yeah. <laughs> thank you for everything. And thank you again for Michele Rizzo and The Mask of the Red Death, because I watch that all the time. I'm very thankful to that too. Thank, thank you, Francesca. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the BOF podcast for our look inside fashion and how it connects to currents in the wider world. If you're not yet a BOF professional member, join today with our 30-day risk-free trial and benefit from exclusive access to agenda-setting analysis you won't find anywhere else. The BOF podcast is edited and produced by Emma Clark, Kate Bartan, and Kevin Bobby Blanco in the BOF studio team. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.